Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today and every Saturday at this time. So glad you're joining me. If this happens to be your first time listening to Talking Money, you'll find out pretty quickly this is not a sales show where there's no hidden agenda. We're not selling insurance or gold or life insurance or annuities or anything like that. This is, uh, we've been doing this for, I've been doing this for almost 16 years now, uh, right here at the same time at uh, 10 o'clock every Saturday, mostly live. Today, I'm actually recording a couple of days ahead of time uh, for various reasons, but um, I've got a special treat. I have a podcast uh, with our CEO, Nick Stone Street, and our head of investments at Ronald Blue Trust, Brian McClard, had a discussion that uh, we just received on uh, Tuesday this past week that I wanted you to listen to. And it's going to be a little tricky trying to fit the podcast in without breaks and try to make our own breaks. But we'll, Paul and I will make it work somehow. We'll get it, uh, we'll get it here on the air next week. Got another special treat for you, Daniel Hicks, who's a tax attorney with the National Christian Foundation, NCF we call it, will be joining me. He's been with uh, NCF uh, exactly the same amount of time that uh, my, my firm plan first merged with Ronald Blue Trust, uh, right at three and a half years ago, March 1st, three and a half years ago. And he will be coming to talk about donor advised funds. I uh, had a listener that wrote in emailed me a list of questions on donor advised funds. And I thought I hadn't covered donor advised funds in a long time. So I wanted to go ahead and get the full details and who better to do that than somebody who deals with donor advised funds all the time. And National Christian Foundation, of course, has a donor advised funds as do, as do most brokerage houses. And the South Carolina Christian Foundation right here in, in South Carolina has one. And the PCA Foundation has one and your church may as well. So the next Saturday, Daniel Hicks joins me to talk about uh, those kinds of things. But today we're talking investments. And as you know, things have been a little bit uh, up and down here since the first of the year, more down than up, unfortunately. But inflation has been a concern. The Fed just increased the Fed funds rate by another 75, base, 75 basis points, which uh, I, I try to explain people because um, we talk in these these lingos and terms all the time and people have no idea. What do you mean basis points? <laughs> well, 75, 100 basis points is 1%. So 75 basis points is three quarters of 1%. So when you hear somebody talk about five basis points or 115 basis points, uh, use 100 basis points as your guide because that is 1%. So anyway, uh, I've got some other comments that I want to make also about um, just in general, some of the comments they make, because I, I listened to the podcast first, there's some interesting comments they make, especially I think about Europe and the um, the the power struggles they've been having with uh, Russia and the concerns that they have over there and how that's um, coming into play and will come into play this uh, this coming winter, depending on how cold the winter is. They say they have enough uh, energy, gas, to make it through natural gas, to make it through the winter if it's not too cold. Well, 
and then and then nick will talk about this in a minute talks about how there's a shortage of electric blankets in europe so i thought that was interesting uh, you'll hear him make that comment and my first thought was well if we have a power shortage um are you going to be able to use your electric blanket <laughs> are you going to plug it in but there's nothing going to be there now, the blanket would still be helpful but um, the electric part may not may not work you have to go on rotating schedules uh, you do it this 30 minutes you do the next 30 minutes or something like that so we can keep everybody from freezing to death over there i know we say that facetiously it's not a funny thing but it's because it can be very serious when it comes to um, heat and things like that um so we definitely need to keep our eyes on on things like that so what we're going to do, um, we're going to go to uh, early to our first break. And uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to play the first segment of uh, the interview with uh, uh, Ronald Blue Trust CEO Nick Stone Street and the head of investments, uh, Brian McClure, talking about all this inflation and how that affects investments and so forth. So uh, we'll be right back after this break. The answers to most financial questions are uncovered when you understand that there are only really five uses of money and when you know exactly how much you are spending on each of those uses. At Ronald Blue Trust, our comprehensive financial planning process helps you plan for living expenses, debt, savings, taxes, and giving. Well, let's focus on saving for retirement. Planning for retirement is much more than a magic number that answers the question most people think of retirement planning, how much is enough? You need to know the answer to that question, but other questions are important to consider as well. Questions like, how will I determine what my next chapter is? How can I use my savings and investments in a tax-efficient manner? How will inflation, investment returns, and personal decisions impact my time frame? As you approach retirement, don't look at it as an end, but rather as a beginning. We don't sell any products at Ronald Blue Trust. We are fiduciaries whose only desire is to help clients be the best stewards they can be with the resources God has given them. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money because we want you to get the answers to your questions about money with no hidden agenda to sell anything. If you'd like to learn more about Ronald Blue Trust, to find out if we can help you, please call 1-800-588-7526 and tell Chelsea you heard Mike Miller talking about Ronald Blue Trust on the radio. It would be my pleasure to speak with you further. Once again, our phone number at the Greenville office is 1-800-588-7526. Now let's go back to Talking Money to answer more of your questions. And welcome back to Talking Money. So glad you could join us today. I hope you've enjoyed the interview with the Ronald Blue Trust CEO, Nick Stone Street, and our head of investments, uh, Brian McClard. Welcome to the Wisdom for Wealth for Life podcast. Let's bridge the gap between your faith and your finances. At Ronald Blue Trust, we apply biblical wisdom and technical expertise to help you make wise financial decisions. Our goal is to help you leave a lasting legacy. In this podcast, you will hear inspiring stories, practical tips, and encouragement from the Ronald Blue Trust family with special guests along the way. Welcome to the Wisdom for Wealth for Life podcast. The information in these podcasts is provided for general educational purposes only. It is not intended as specific individual advice. The client's experience may not be representative of the experience of other clients, and they are also not indicative of future performance or success. Opinions expressed may not be those of Ronald Blue Trust. In this episode, we have Ronald Blue Trust CEO and Chief Investment Officer Nick Stone Street and Head of Investments Brian McClard. They share some insights on the current economic landscape. They talk about why the market is struggling 
how international events are affecting investors, what may lie ahead, and how this could affect you. Let's listen in now. It's been another uh, tumultuous couple of weeks. We're seeing continued interest rates uh, being hiked by the Fed. Um, what's going on? Yeah, it has been a crazy year for markets. Maybe if I back up, actually, kind of revisit how we get here, because this is the cumulative effect that investors are feeling. You know, if, if you look at going into June of this year, the first half of the year, stocks were off about 25% or so. And that was because inflation expectations kept creeping up and the concerns that uh, uh, the Fed was going to hike rates significantly enough that it was going to do something to the economy. But then in June, what we had is, um, you know, we had growth concerns really creep up. Uh, and and But this, uh, this caused people to to uh, think that maybe uh, the Fed would be put on hold or maybe they were close to done mm. hiking. And so, believe it or not, this bad news of a recession actually gave hope to the markets and they started to rally significantly. So this massive sell-off turned into a reversal rally of about 17%, which lasted through the middle of August. But at that time, we saw some economic resilience. We had an inflation print that, come in, that came in. We'll probably talk about that. It maybe wasn't as uh, as positive as people had hoped. And so the market started to sell off again because the Fed was reiterating that it's here to fight inflation. And so it's really the story that inflation continues to be stubborn and the Fed continues to hike. Yeah. And I think last time we got together, we talked about the stubbornness of inflation. I think, you know, probably for me early in my career in the 80s, being a financial analyst in Brazil, when the rate of inflation went from 3% a month to 24% a month while I was doing financial forecasting, I think I've been able to see different bouts of inflation. And certainly those times are not a roadmap for these times at all, very different circumstances. However, the idea of the stubbornness of inflation is something that we've talked about um, for really the last year. And on the last podcast, we talked a good bit about that. We're seeing that stubbornness um, and two things are happening is uh, that are concerning. Um, one is that inflation is being persistent, which we kind of thought uh, would happen. But there seems like an absolute resolve from the Fed to hike rates that's going to slow the economy um, and keep fighting inflation. But on the other side, we see you know, policy decisions that just throw more logs on the fire of inflation. And so it seems like there's this disparity between Fed action and and policy decisions. Well, and that's why markets are caught in the middle. But certainly uh, the Fed seems very intent on not repeating the mistakes of the Fed of the 1970s. You know, there was a stop and go mentality. You're moving from kind of a fixed rate regime to more of a, a floating rate. And there's frankly even a doubt within the Fed that monetary policy could even affect anything. We're not seeing that now. We're seeing uh, a Fed who is insistent that they are going to keep hiking rates until inflation comes down. So much so that they're even using the same language. Uh, you'll hear Powell say, keeping at it, which is actually the name of Volcker's Volker, book. Yeah. Volcker, the uh, Fed chair from, who shepherded that sure. massive uh, rate rise in rates back in the late uh, 70s. Yeah, so there's this unyielding resolve to keep raising rates. 
Um, where do you think that plays out? You know, because the next thing that comes to mind is as rates increase. You know, we've still got industrial production indicating pretty well. We've got uh, unemployment still fairly low. Um, if the economy starts to hit a, a hard landing in the form of recession, what do you think? What do you think is the next kind of shoe to drop? Yeah, I think uh, that's a right way to think about it for sure. Um, we're seeing those mixed signals in terms of are we there? The, fr the front end is definitely softening. We've seen that with the interest rate sectors, as you know, with autos, housing. And so those are the first things to roll over. We're seeing that very clearly. Uh, like you said, spending and consumption are soft, but they've not displayed any conviction as far as the downside. And, and, and also, like you said, what we're waiting to roll over are corporate earnings and employment. But when you look at where employment is, it's as strong as any we've seen. And I think that's part of what's giving the Fed the conviction to stick at it and kind of what you're talking about with inflation being a little bit stickier. So we're, we're waiting for those to happen. The, the problem is those are a little bit um, uh, lagging too in terms of their signaling. So the, the Fed doesn't have great signals here. And even then, uh, once, once those do roll over, that's usually signaling the tail end of a recession. And the Fed probably doesn't have leeway to lower rates yet, because again, they have to have conviction that inflation is through. So that brings us back to the question of, Okay, inflation really has a couple of really important questions around it. One is how far is it going to fall? And two is how fast, because you're speaking to it being a little bit stubborn. And so the first question of how far, I mean, we're above 8% year over year right now. Before COVID came, they couldn't even get inflation above 2% for the right. decade of the 2010s. And so, you know, what's your conviction level? Do you, do you think that inflation can come back down to 2%? Or do you think there's some things that could keep it from getting down to those uh, pre-COVID levels? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's a matter of when. Mm -hmm. And so when you have uh, a persistence of inflation, which we're going to see. I know we've gotten some data points. Um, you know, I, I saw the uh, uh, Social Security uh, recipients are probably going to receive a 10% raise this year, close to that. I don't know what the final number will be. Um, and so you got 70 million people getting a 10% raise. You've got a lot of working people that are not going to get that kind of raise. Um, employment's still strong. It's interesting. I think, I think as it moves through the economy, we're, we're going to see um, more issues with corporate earnings. I think that, that shoe drops next, and then employment will, will drop after that. How it plays out and the timing of it, um, it seems like the Fed's willing to, you know, hurt the economy, slow it way down in order to fight inflation. And, but then you start thinking of the painful impacts of that as well. And, and we think that that's coming. We think there's going to be some real issues around the painful impacts of inflation. One of the pressures that we'll see on corporate earnings, and maybe we could talk globally for a couple of minutes, is uh, dollar. So, um, you know, sometimes people think, oh, strong dollar, that's so great. Well, it's great if you're taking a trip to the U.K. this, you know, in the next few months, because uh, the dollar pound, you've seen what's happened to that in the last few weeks. But overall dollar strength and how that puts our, uh, you know, standing as far as a global competitor and what that could mean to earnings. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, the strong dollar definitely tightens financial conditions globally. It restricts growth and it precedes uh, corporate earnings sell off, profit margin uh, fall off, and then uh, recessions ultimately. And 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 we've seen a very strong dollar over the last year. Uh, if you look at it across currencies, up about eighteen percent. Uh, on average, across a lot of currencies, and so this is definitely uh, going to be something that causes some some difficulty going forward. And I, I would expect it to come home ro- to roost. And coming home to roost, meaning coming through corporate earnings as well. Absolutely, absolutely, it it will come through corporate earnings for sure. Yeah, and I think that that earnings slowdown, if we're pricing the equity markets off of corporate earnings, which is ultimately what you price them off of, mm-hmm. right? It's a stream of future cash flows. Um, that could mean you know, more, more trouble in the equity markets as we go forward. Yeah. And so that, that brings up an interesting question um, as to what is priced into equities. We've had such a horrible year for both uh, stocks and bonds. And so the question is, well, is a recession already priced in? And, and I guess I would argue that largely what we've seen so far to date has really been more tied to just the, the readjustment in interest rates. So in other words, it's been a valuation adjustment down. We've not factored in yet this potential recession risk. And so yeah. th- there's still the chance that we escape that, right? There's still the the potential that maybe the combination of a strong economy with the Fed really timing it well that uh, you know we get through this without a bad reception, recession, in which case we would see probably the bottom in stocks where we are. But if, if we had a recession, which is a very good likelihood, we could see some more near-term pain in stocks and bonds. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, we're coming off of a low interest rate kind of sugar high, right? And so that that's over for a while. Um, and then the global backdrop that we're, we're up against is one of, of concern in a couple areas. I think, you know, one, everybody's still watching war in Ukraine. Um, uh, and maybe we could talk a little j- bit about the energy sector and some of the things happening with uh, decarbonization and some of the macro picture effects on the um, global economy now. So thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I do have some thoughts. Um, and you're really getting to the heart of the question why can't we get inflation from 8% back down to that 2% pre-COVID level? And, you know, first of all, let me say that uh, one of the biggest culprits, I would say, to us being where we are is because, you know, when we experience that $2 trillion hole in our economy, that 9% drop in GDP due to shutting things down because of, of the onset of, of COVID, um, Monetary and fiscal response was to the tune of about $10 trillion. So we took $10 trillion to plug a $2 trillion hole. And so we've just got to work through that, right? And so the, the initial thought might be, hey, once we just finally get through all this, get the spending out of the way, get everything cleared out, we should be able to get back to that 2%. And in fact, there's some long-term forces that would suggest, hey, longer term, there's no reason why inflation can't get down because of the the, the increasing debt, because of the aging demographics. But what you're bringing up is very important, is that through COVID, some things changed in the world. Uh, For one, 
I, I think uh, Russia's relationship with the rest of the world, and they're a major fertilizer supplier, energy supplier, their relationship has changed, which potentially could be a little bit inflationary. Um, two, I think it uncovered uh, maybe too quick of a pace of decarbonization or you know, an energy uh, transition policy that right. is maybe a little bit unsustainable in terms of keeping prices at the same level as before. And so if we continue that pace, then that's a risk to keeping inflation a little bit higher. And then let me just throw one other thing in the mix there, and that's the idea of, we can call it different things, slobalization or nearshoring. In other words, sort of this mistrust of supply chains in other countries and just relocating supply chains, uh, maybe not from where it's most economically efficient, but maybe to where it's most politically expedient to do so. Well, I hope you're enjoying this interview with uh, Nick Stone Street, the Ronald Blue Trust CEO, as uh, with Brian McClard, who is head of investments at Ronald Blue Trust. Sorry to interrupt kind of right in the middle, but there wasn't any good place to, to uh, stop it. So we'll end up uh, starting after the uh, bottom of the hour. We'll start with Nick Stone Street's response to Brian's comments there. And he's got some great comments and we'll finish out that particular podcast. And as I mentioned to you, we're uh, not coming to you live today as usual. Uh, this is a recording just talking about investments and things like that. But uh, you still have an opportunity to send questions in. You just can't call today. So it'd be like if you're listening to this as a podcast, like we're listening to Nick's podcast, you'll send those questions to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question. And you can, of course, send the questions there, and we'll pick those up on a uh, future Talking Money broadcast. Uh, but wanted to, to give you some uh, current information because this podcast from the the team at uh, Ronald Blue Trust just came up uh, this past uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. So uh, I thought it'd be appropriate to to be able to share that with you and get their thoughts directly from the people who are are uh, very much involved with the investment selection the strategies involved with helping the clients at Ronald Blue Trust, they give us a lot of alternatives and a lot of resources. And then, of course, we pick from those resources what we think is the best to uh, serve each particular client in their situation. So each client could have you know, a, a somewhat different portfolio. But the research and the due diligence has already been done by, um, by CEO uh, Nick Stone Street, especially with Brian McClard and his team there on the Investment Strategy Group. And Mark Elam will be with us in about two months to uh, give a, maybe six weeks to give a direct update from the investment strategy group. All right. So we're uh, time for the bottom of the hour break. So we um, uh, appreciate you listening and we'll be back with the second part of the podcast with Dick Stone Street in just a few minutes. Most of you have heard the saying, it's not what you earn, but what you keep. With all of the tax laws and legislative changes, how do you successfully navigate the complex always changing and mostly confusing tax system. More importantly, how do you best take advantage of these changing laws in order to improve your financial stewardship and accomplish your goals? Unlike tax preparation, tax planning is a year-round process and should be an important part of your financial plan. It's wise to consider tax reduction efforts in light of your overall goals. At Ronald Blue Trust, our tax planning process includes things like short and long-term tax projections, understanding tax consequences of financial and life decisions, estimating marginal and effective tax rates to, among other things, avoid that dreaded tax bracket creep, coordinate with your tax preparer, and looking for tax savings opportunities through income shifting, deferring income, deduction planning, and other timing strategies. 
For more information about our Greenville team and the credentials and experience of each of them, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. Sherry White, Jeremy Weaver, Scott Clark, and Eddie Holland are the team leaders with a supporting team of certified financial planner professionals working right alongside of them. Feel free to contact any of them directly or give me a call at 1-800-588-7526, and I'll be happy to discuss your situation with you. The phone number again is one 800 588-7526 or go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. Let's return now to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. Hope you're enjoying this interview with uh, CEO Nick Stone Street and Head of Investments at Ronald Blue Trust, uh, Brian McClard. They've been talking about inflation and uh, a lot of other economic type issues that are facing all of us right now. And so we had to kind of stop them in the middle of their interview so we could get to that hard break at the bottom of the hour. So we want to pick up on that. Now, as as I've mentioned to you earlier, uh, not broadcasting live today, so don't try to call in with a question for Nick or Brian because they aren't here and I'm not either right now. Um, but we do have a way for you to send questions. You send those questions to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com and we'll pick those up on a future broadcast. All right, so let's continue with the interview with uh, Nick Stone Street. will be uh, joining in here and responding to some of uh, Brian's comments. And uh, we'll come back with a few closing comments when they are through. I think those are really interesting points. When we And, and as we look at this global backdrop and we see the knock-on effects of um, Russia's aggression in Ukraine, um, you know, we're first we're seeing the the horrific part as the the Ukrainians have retaken land and they start to uncover the mass graves and you see signs of torture and and sort of uh you know just the awful things that you kind of thought were happening are now being literally unearthed i think this idea that uh decarbonization and the the way that the europeans have uh, approached that created a vulnerability a reliance on on russian energy and um, I heard this morning one of the um, uh, toughest items to get in Europe right now are electric blankets. Mm. So people are already starting to prepare for a cold winter where there's going to be energy shortages. And now there's a big shortage of electric blankets. That's a little bit of a haunting yeah. uh, comment. And then the other part of kind of this global knock-on effect that we have from China is the zero COVID policy. So we've seen this ramp up, shut down, ramp up, shut down. And and the ramp up, you know, for a factory, it can take months. So you just, the supply chain remains, last time we talked a little bit about it, remains disrupted with this really crushing uh, zero COVID policy in China. And it starts to bring the question of, do we bring more to the U.S.? Do we bring more near nearby? And I think last time we mentioned, we think that's going to be a longer-term trend and probably be accelerated. So we've got this backdrop of um, global issues. Um, we've definitely got domestic, local issues. And then the question starts to become, what does that mean for my portfolio, right? And so as director of investments here, Brian, what, is, what does that mean for a client's portfolio? Yeah, that's where the, the, the question really comes to bear. Um, and that's where we have to make decisions to really improve the, the possibility of, of uh, navigating these successfully. And it certainly means that right now is more uncertain than what we've seen historically. So because of that, we believe that portfolios need to be more broadly 
diversified than in other times. But I think there's a, a few other things, too, that we can actually look to to gain some some confidence and maybe in some uh, some uh, unfamiliar ways. One, one of them, one of the things I would take heart in is the fact that a lot of these uh, crises are known. And, and believe it or not, that's that's an important thing. You know, uh, it's it's. Uh, it's it's known, which means that it's priced in, which means people are doing something about it. Two, the fact that they are at a crisis level means, you know, that policymakers and market participants are doing something about this that take the energy transition in Europe. They're actually taking steps now, right? Uh, you've heard the quote that, you know, once we've ex- exhausted all other possibilities, we'll, we'll finally do what's right, that kind of a thing. Right. And so sometimes it takes that. Right. Yeah. We'll kick the can down the road until we have to, to do something. And so uh, it's a painful time. But these are, are things that will translate to um, more robust profiles for uh, investments, for countries, for balance sheets going forward. And so that's a good thing. But it does mean that in the, for this time, things are more painful. And so one of the key aspects of investing is time. You can't cram too much into a short period of time and not expect pain. You know, for instance, we talk about interest rates on mortgages are six and a half percent range. Well, many folks will look and say, oh, six and a half percent. You know, my first or second or third mortgage was was at six and a half percent. That's nothing. Yeah, but you don't get there in three months when interest rates are at three percent. Through time, that's not a problem. And so that's the reason we focus so much on time when we look at how to allocate uh, investments in clients' portfolios. Yeah, I think that is so uh, accurate, Brian. And, and one of the unique aspects of the way we look at portfolios through time-based lenses. And, you know, our clients can take heart that they're always encouraged to keep cash on hand um, for, you know, a year or even two years of expenses and then be able to um, allocate to short-term, intermediate-term, long-term, and ultra-long-term so that they have different portfolios for different time frames. And if, right now, if, if you've had your cash on hand, uh, you're, you just got a raise. <laughs> so uh, treasuries, uh, two-year treasury hit 4.2% yesterday. Um, so there's a little bit of a silver lining in that. And then as the clients look at the short term, there's even been some you know, uh, net asset value decline in, in short-term portfolios, which is unusual, but it's still a, a part of stability. Then you look at the intermediate term, where a lot of bonds have been in the portfolios, and those have taken a significant hit. But again, those portfolios are now getting a raise in the, in the form of a higher coupon. So even though you've lost some money in bonds, you're going to start earning that money back in, in higher coupons. And then the place with equities in your 10 and 15, 20-year portfolios, that's the place that's getting hit, and time will allow uh, recovery there. So I think, you know, sticking to your plan, positioning on time based of when you need your money back is something that we've always talked about and never seemed more relevant than it does today. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And to maybe add some some context to that, uh, it, you know, bonds and stocks are having a really horrible year. But anyone who invests in stocks, which are a long term investment for one year, are are missing 
the, uh, the, the correct application of stocks to the time horizon, right? And bonds, same thing. So we've not seen such bad returns in the bond market as we've seen this year in a very long time. But it's also interesting to look back over the last 100 years. Believe it or not, even take 10-year treasuries, they have a negative one-year return about 18% of the time, which mm. is significant. But if you look at a more appropriate time frame for bonds, say over five years, and then you add a, a well-diversified mix of bonds, we've not seen them earn less than 0% over the last 100 years. And that's not to say that they won't ever earn. Right, yeah. But the point is, is to take an appropriate time frame perspective when you're looking at your investments. Yeah, and I think, you know, for our clients, there's, uh, there's more um, probably difficulties to come in this. I don't think we're going to be getting out of some of these uh, structural issues with inflation, uh, potential recession, time, you know, uh, a lot of these issues. We're not going to get out of them tomorrow. Uh, it took us a while to get here. We've got to keep burning off the sugar high of low interest rates and a lot of government spending. But in two years from now, I think we'll have a very different picture. I think a lot of these issues will have worked through the economy um, and we'll be out on the other side of robust corporate earnings and um, have a much better picture going forward. So I think it's a stay diversified, stay close to your plan, and, um, yeah, we're going to have to ride this one out a little bit. Well, and that's a very important point. And what you're pointing to is the fact that we're not on the precipice of something cataclysmic. The business cycle hasn't been right. repealed. After winter comes spring. There's always a spring, and we will be in that time frame, right? It's okay to worry during sure. this time because worrying means that you are you don't have to worry, as someone once said, right? If you worry, you don't have to worry because that means you're doing something about it. You've made a plan. You've prepared. Now you have to endure these things that are inevitabilities as part of the business cycle. But like I said, there is always a spring, and there's lots to worry about in the short term, but long term, I think we find that oftentimes there are pleasant surprises. Yeah, and I think just continuing to stick with the advisors and have those meetings and have those discussions around cash flows and planning, it's a critical time for that reevaluation. But what we've always seen is that, you know, we do have some people that jumped out of the market in 2008 and 2009 because it got so painful, and they're still looking at a good time to get back in. And so it really is a matter of sticking to your plan long-term, allocating those buckets correctly, and uh, we'll get through this. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Wisdom for Wealth for Life podcast. If you're looking for financial advice, please contact us. Please visit ronblue.com. That's ronblue.com. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Trust and investment management accounts and services offered by Rollingbrook Trust Incorporated are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of, nor guaranteed by any bank or bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. Virtually every financial services firm talks about financial and investment planning based on your goals. 
At Ronald Blue Trust, we can help you define your goals. We'll do that from your personal cash flow to your income tax, to your state and investments to help ensure that your decisions really do reflect your values. We incorporate biblical principles into our comprehensive financial planning approach. Our goal is to help you clarify your decision-making and focus on leaving a legacy of financial, social, and spiritual capital. And whether we realize it or not, the decisions we make in life reflect our values and our priorities. Decisions we make today can have lifetime implications. There are rarely independent decisions. A comprehensive financial plan includes things like planning for short-term cash needs, long-term retirement, proactively minimizing debt, continually evaluating the tax consequences of your decisions, funding your child's or grandchild's education, and determining your insurance needs. No financial plan, however, is worth doing unless you actually implement your plan. Our process takes you directly from goal setting to the implementation. I think, we think, there's a good chance your financial stress level will improve when you understand how all of the components of your financial life integrate with each other and how to adjust over time. So we can guide you through a detailed plan towards sound financial decisions, wise stewardship, and a roadmap to your desired destination, a life well spent. For more information, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville or call 1-800-588-7526. Once again, the number is one 800 588-7526. Now back to more of Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. So glad you could join us today. I hope you've been enjoying or have enjoyed the interview with the Ronald Blue Trust CEO, Nick Stone Street, and our head of investments, uh, Brian McClard. Of course, Nick has been on Talking Money a number of times. If you recall, his uh, wife grew up in Traveler's Rest and his uh, father-in-law still lives up there and his brother-in-law still live up there. So they come back to the Traveler's Rest area fairly frequently. I'm going to have to check in with him again to see when he's planning on coming back to the area so we can get it back on live the uh, the next time he's in town. Always enjoy having Nick uh, on the air. Uh, he just uh, brings a, a different perspective. He's got a lot of of uh, good real-world experience. Uh, and I say world because he's been everywhere uh, with several different uh, major companies. And then he brings that expertise to Ronald Blue Trust and just a, a great guy to work with, work for. And of course, he will tell you he works for us and not the other way around. And and so there were some great comments. I love the comment toward the end there where he talked about some people that got out of the market in 2008 are still waiting for a good time to get in. And that's one of the problems with trying to time the market and, and you get nervous because I'll remind you again, if you're the kind that's going to invest in the stock market or real estate or whatever it is, and when things start to go down, whether that's 10% for you, 20% or 30%, whatever that is for your comfort level, and you say, I'm going to bail out now, you're better off not getting in to begin with uh, because you've waited until it went down before you got out. You might as well get out before it goes down and you'll miss some of the upside, but you, you'll miss all that downside too. So that um, is, is better for a lot of people. And I, and I, still caution everyone against trying to take that conservative nature and risk averseness uh, to buying things like annuities where they'll say it's never going to go down, but then it'll participate in the upside of the market. There's always going to be restrictions. There has to be restrictions in those accounts uh, because they, they can't give you the world. They can't give you all the upside and, and none of the downside. It's just, that's not real world. It doesn't work that way, but it still may be a good product for you. Uh, so you just got to understand what you're getting before you get it. But I, I remember a story when he was talking. I remember back in 2009 when I had a client that called me and he was, he was in um, 
a uh, trade show with his brother. And we managed uh, his investments as well as the uh, profit sharing account for the, the company. And he and his brother were talking and he called me. And that day, this was on Friday, March the 6th, 2009. And I remember it so well. It's one of the few phone calls from a client that I remember, uh, I'll remember forever, I guess. Uh, he called and said, look, we've just been talking about how things have been going in the markets and we'd just like to get on the sidelines for a while and, and uh, let things play out and we'll get back in. And I said, well, you can do that. I mean, it's your money. So obviously you can do what you want to with your money, uh, but I won't be able to work with you anymore. And he says, whoa, what do you mean? I don't want that. I said, well, you're going to want to know from me when's the best time to get in. And there's no financial advisor smart enough to know the answer to that question. No one. Uh, so if somebody acts like they know, then I'd run from them because they, they not being honest with you, they don't know, or else they're just, just, um, deceiving themselves in that they do know, uh, because they don't. And I would say, don't get out. I mean, things have gone down so much. This is March 6, 2009. It's been going down pretty much since the, the previous September. So let's not, let's not get out now. Let's just stay in. So he said, okay, I I'll take your advice. Talk to him off the ledge. He stayed put. And of course I had to tell him, you know, I don't know. It may go down more and it may it did, just because at that time, looking back, we know it was the, the bot, the absolute bottom. We didn't know that at the time. He said, yes, it could go down more. I'm just telling you, if you try to figure out when that bottom is, you're not going to make it. You're not, nobody's going to be able to pick that bottom. So he stayed in about uh, two, three months later, he came back in for their regular annual review with us. And uh, the market had already rebounded a bunch since then. So he thanked me profusely for talking him off that ledge and that he didn't have to do that. But keep in mind, you know, when Brian talks about being uh, well diversified, you mean you have to try to anticipate, try to take advantage of what's going on in the markets. And the way he said to do that is to be even more diversified than normal. And being more diversified typically means, yeah, you're not going to perform as well as some particular index. One particular index is probably going to still outperform your portfolio because you're not going to be um, take all the risk to go into just one particular index. You want to be broad-based and well-diversified, what I call effectively diversified. Diversified, but effectively diversified. And so uh, it's it's like if you have to go from here to California and you can drive fast, you can go to 100 mile an hour and you can get there a lot sooner. But if you don't really need to get there sooner, if your goals are that I don't need to get there that fast, why take that extra risk to go 100 mile an hour to get to California? I can go 65, 70, 75 and get there just fine within my time frame. Without that risk, I'm not going to make it at all because I took too much risk driving too fast. Same idea with the investments is that I, I, I don't need to go any faster than I need to go to meet my goals and to get where I need to go because it, you might end up not meeting those goals because you ended up uh, taking too much risk in the wrong types of things. And another thing to remind um, listeners is that I had another, this is, goes back uh, 20 years, I think, and had a client at that time that um, who had um, worked at 3M for a good many years. He was with a different company when I met him, but he'd worked at 3M. And when the tech bubble burst, this is, this is showing my age now. So when the tech bubble burst back in early 2000, uh, 2001, 2002, uh, he got all nervous and wanted to pull everything out of the market. And uh, so I said, well, what about your 3M stock? He's owned a lot of 3M stock because he used to work there. He said, oh, I'm going to leave that alone. I feel really good about that stock coming back. So it's like, well, 
you're not really looking at this the right way and, and not thinking clearly because why is it that 3M stock would go back up, but these other companies would not? Well, it's just natural to think, well, I was that three company. I know that's a well-run company, so I'm confident it's, it's going to come back. Well, there's many other companies, that, and even at the time, I showed him how other companies had performed much better than 3M stock. Uh, that didn't convince him. He's still like, no, I'm going to get out of everything but 3M stock. And so you just you have to keep things in perspective as to why you buy certain things, why you keep certain things. And I think have a, a broader uh, scope and broader uh, perspective of the market overall so that you don't really do things knee-jerk reaction to get you um, in trouble, really. Uh, interesting article, that, and this is something that um, I, I get from Gary Alexander. I haven't quoted Ale Gary for a long time, but he quotes a few things in the Wall Street Journal talking about electric cars. So I, I was kidding about Nick's comment where he said that they were shortage of electric blankets in Europe. Uh, but they also have energy shortage, although they if they don't have uh, too cold of a winter, they've got enough natural gas to, to get them electricity. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like the electric cars where you, you have all this demand for electric vehicles, uh, but then you don't have the infrastructure to plug them in. And I know this, this is a true story that somebody asked their child, you know, that, who was very liberal, much more liberal than they were and said, well, well, where do you think electricity comes from? Said, well, I just, you know, plug it in the wall. Said, well, that's not exactly where electricity comes from. They just assumed there was a, a never ending supply of electricity that came in that plug in the wall. And, and that doesn't happen. So you, you've got issues with lithium prices, uh, that those, that that's what goes into electric cars, uh, that, that they're in short supply. And you, even Ford, I read, and what they want to double their production of the F-150 Lightning, uh, but must employ a, a worldwide task force scouring for batteries, is what the article said. Uh, so, and my my daughter showed me an interesting um, little cartoon or the picture. Somebody had had a platform that it was attached, like you'd put a a wheelchair lift or something on the back of your car. It was this is on the back of a Tesla, and on the back of the Tesla was a generator. And there were gasoline cans next to to help fill the generator. So I guess if the if the uh, car ran out of battery juice, they could run up their gasoline generator to juice up the battery, and so they could actually get home. So I thought that was a, a kind of interesting uh, thought. So the journal reported that lithium prices are now about seventy one thousand dollars per metric ton, up from less than ten thousand dollars a metric ton at the end of twenty twenty. So just a little over a year, we've gone from ten thousand to seventy-one thousand. So it's um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the electric car market. I saw some articles, uh, a piece, a news piece on hydrogen cars, and then I haven't seen it again. It looked like that was going to be a, a real good potential for uh, for future energy was to use hydrogen, but because uh, that's of course and well, we can get all that we need. Uh, anyway, we'll see how that goes. Not not my expertise. But thanks for listening. If you want to ask me a question, go to uh, uh, talkingmoneyradio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question. Of course, that's the same place you can see the former, the other podcast that we've uh, copied on there. So you can go to, to uh, listen now and you can go to pick whatever topic you want and listen to that on talkingmoneyradio.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with the next Talking Money. <laughs> 